Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, uh, Colin Fraser's appearance has brought a lot of uh, response. Uh, this text comes in from Papa Zook out of Red Deer. That would be Dennis Zakuski. He's a U of A alum. Uh, great show, Bob. I was at that Rebels Hitman game in 05 when the gold medal boys uh, started checking them. They were dead blank serious with Phaneuf and Lad exchanging bombs. Uh, Chicago, by the way, Bob, has just signed Brandon Hagel out of uh, the Rebels. Look out. He's another Hawks find. Well, I think two weeks ago, Brandon Escott, we mentioned uh, Brandon Hagel with Red Deer, and the Oil Kings better keep an eye on him, and he scored four goals that night. He is a greasy guy, goes to the paint to score goals. Guests on the show receive guest certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table, Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. One of the uh, most popular segments of the week. Sportsnet's Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. Brian, how you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there. Uh, where do we start? Uh, well, I, we could talk about truculence, and, and we just had Colin Fraser on, and we just told the story about the the Canadian players coming back from the World Juniors and the two guys from Red Deer fighting the two guys from Calgary right after they won. And all I have to say to something like that is, that's hockey. That's the way the game... I don't know if that's still in the game as much now. I know John Tortorella's made some comments about the game changing, but every time I have somebody on, it's one of those four guys on to, to talk about that story. It just makes me shake my head and laugh. I mean, that's that's crazy, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, but it's very Canadian, and it's very Western Canadian. And... Um I think Tor- John, you know, I, t- I said this on TV, Torch is right. The amount of hostility and all that is down. I think the game's better. But as long as we don't lose that, what we've got left. In other words, as long as players still answer the bell and protect one another and make sure the, the players are accountable, um, we're okay. And there's still not as much as I'd like, but there's still enough of that around. So. Um, the day we get to where players don't have to answer the bell, don't have to be accountable, I think that would be a sad day. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to allow us to transition because there's different types of toughness. And, you know, the Oilers were built on the Winnipeg model in the WHA, and there were stories about how Anders Hedberg went to camp one year and said to the tough guys on the team, you're going to teach me how to fight. And the guys were like, we're not teaching you how to fight. You're already tough because you fight through the crap and the abuse to make plays. And you drafted two guys like that in the 99 draft, the Sedins, and they were tough because they fought through the crap and the abuse on the ice and they brought it every night. But I'd like you to maybe today, if you could, 
to tell me how difficult it was to execute the maneuver uh, maneuvering to land those two players for the Vancouver Canucks back in 1999. Well, the whole story takes uh, takes like 45 minutes, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to hear the whole story. But the the Reader's Digest version of it is I always start the same way, and that is that the two guys that deserve the most credit for the Sedin twins are Thomas Gradine and Mark Crawford. Thomas Gradine recognized these guys would be special very early on, and Mark Crawford turned them into hockey players. But the fact of the matter is, I didn't like them at first. I saw them at the World Junior in Winnipeg. I didn't like them. I told our scouts I was going to trade the pick. And then they made the World Championship team in Norway that year, and Thomas Gradine called and said, okay, you've got to go over and watch them. And I hadn't planned on going over there. But he said, you got to go over and watch them. I said, okay, I'll come over and watch them, and then we'll, we'll drop this nonsense. And you know, the, the funny thing was, Bob, he had said to me, you got to try and get them together. I'm like, Thomas, they're rated, two and, they're rated one and two or two and three. Nobody's ever picked two and three before. What do you mean i got to get them? Like, it's impossible, even if I thought it was worthwhile. So we left the World Junior in Winnipeg. I said to our scouts, I'm really sorry, but I'm trading the pick. I know you guys work all year for... One one night and one day in the sun, and I know you're disappointed, but I'm trading the pick. So I go to Oslo, I watch them play, and the first time you can see all that twin stuff they do, area passes and blind passes, and and I was like, oh my god, I gotta have them. So <laughs> it really it really changed. What Thomas, what I saw there is what Thomas Green had seen all along, and so now I'm like, okay, we got to see if we can do this. But again, no one had ever done it before. It's not like it's not like something, you know, that you can just make happen. No one had ever done it before in the history of the league. You might hear a truck horn honk here because some donkey's parked in the wrong place here. Okay, that's all right. This you're, as long, hey, if it's a Ford truck, you're on the right show and you're in the right province. <laughs> it's a Ford F one fifty. There you go. I was in Alberta and drove it out here. There you go. Brian Burke joining us. So, 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 so anyway, we, were, we went to the draft. We had the third pick. Yep. We, we made a deal with uh, Chicago to get the fourth pick, and that was Brian McCabe in a first. So it was a very expensive deal. Wow. And then because Brian McCabe was in his prime, then he was a hell of a hockey player. So we paid a really stiff price for it. Uh, Bob Murray figured out right away he was the GM in Chicago, and he said, I know exactly what you're trying First, he called me and said, will you ever trade number three? And I said, no, but you're going to trade me number four. And he said, I know exactly what you're trying to do, and you're, you're, you can do these things, but um, it's going to cost you dearly. So now I've got three and four. So the night before the draft, Rick Dudley and I, finally he agrees to trade me one, but we don't like the price. He wants a second and a fourth. I offer two-thirds. And so I go to bed. I don't have the, I don't have the deal. I thought I was getting fired. I was like, man, if I traded all that, Brian McCabe in a first, just to be able to draft Pavel Brendel, I'm getting canned. But we made the deal on the floor. Now I got one and three, and I went over to Atlanta and said, you want to pick first overall, which they did. No expansion team had ever done that. Right. And so I got a third-round pick for that, and they drafted Patrick Steffen, who was a good player but got concussed. Yep. And so that's, we went up and took them two and three. That's why they were number 22 and 33. Everyone says how smart I am, and I said, you know what? I'm that smart, I would have picked him in the right order, because Hank was a better player. Uh, we're joined right now by Brian Burke. Uh, it's, it's, it was John McCaw, who owned the team at that time, Brian? 
John McCaw. John McCaw on the team at that stage. Yeah, uh, I never worked. I never worked for anyone but John McCaw in Vancouver. I never worked for the Aquilini. Okay, interesting stuff. So you get these two guys. You just credited the coach because you guys waited a year before you brought them over. And then you didn't put too much. You did have the West Coast Express, so you had Brendan Morrison centering. Uh, we've talked a lot about Nasland. Uh, that was a heck of a deal. It worked out for the Canucks with uh, your predecessor there, Pat Quinn, and Todd Bertuzzi. And, and and then you had Bertuzzi, who uh, you, you later signed in Anaheim, uh, and I believe bought out. Uh, but I digress. Uh, you get uh, you get the two Sedins, and you said you needed the coach, and. Because you got to handle the players, but you because you had that line. Do you think that line helped insulate those guys when they first came over? Yes, I mean we didn't need them. They didn't produce any offense until their fourth year after they were drafted. If you look at their records, they didn't come over the first year. In the, the second year they put up nothing. Third year nothing. It wasn't until the fourth year they started to put up even respectable points, let alone let alone good size points. Were you concerned about them at any stage? No. No. We all knew it would come. They were such good kids. They were so good defensively and such good teammates that we were all like, this is like a good bottle of wine, man. We just got to wait. And sometimes you're frustrated and you want to open that bottle of wine, but you got to wait. And we never doubted that they'd get there. They're just they're fantastic kids. They're unbelievable kids, and their work ethic is second to none. So it was all like everyone be patient. We had to we had to fight with the media about them a little bit. They thought they should have gotten less ice time. But like I remember one post game interview, they asked Mark Crawford, "How come you keep putting them out there?" And he said, "They don't get scored on. They work like dogs. They cycle a puck better than anybody. They wear out the second pair of defense. So by the third period, the second pair of defense that's been chasing around them, their own end all night are exhausted." He said. It's just a matter of time before they break out of it. So we got some abuse for the media, but those guys in the media don't know squat anyway. Uh, do you agree with me that they were tough because they took the you-know-what abuse and they never altered yep. their game once? That is the definition yep. of toughness. Definition of toughness, it, there are many different ways to display it, but one definition is that no matter how rough the game gets, you continue to play. And they did that from day one. And, uh, you know, Greg Adams that played for me from Nelson, B.C., was the same type of guy. He didn't, no matter how rough the game got, he wouldn't change. And so, yeah, the Twins were really tough. Yeah, he uh, he had that place in West Bank, as I recall. <laughs> Greg Adams. A laid-back guy from Nelson, B.C., there's a surprise. Uh, yeah. Bra- Brian Burke joining us. Actually, my sister lives there right now, Brian. Uh, Brian Burke joining us here on Oilers Now. Uh, so you, you you orchestrate these deals. The coach plays a factor, too. And you know what? Coaches are in a winning business. So when you're not getting the offensive production all the time, that is a challenge, isn't it? Well, the thing, the thing about it was it was a challenge, except that the coach knew he had my full backing on it. And I think that's why I think I mentioned last week with a guy like Jesse Pugliarvi, you better be careful. Because Marcus Naslin didn't produce till his fourth year. The Twins didn't produce. You've got to be careful with Jesse Pugliarvi. And I say this because we had Jesse Pugliarvi just as high as the Oilers did. Everybody did. <laughs> Everybody loved this kid. So it's so one thing to say, oh, he's terrible. They should have picked someone else. It's this, it's that. This is how Marcus Naslin got to Vancouver and turned into an all-star because Pittsburgh wasn't patient. 
Brian Burke joining us courtesy of Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian, uh, in fact, I think I could have sworn Brad Trelevin and Peter Shirelli were talking at the draft about a potential deal. Uh, yeah, they had, they had a deal dependent it once, uh, once Dubois was drafted, it went away. Okay. And, and that was because you guys wanted to get in a different... Uh, so you guys wanted Dubois then? No, I, I, I forget. You'd have to ask Brad. I'll get the details. But yes, they were on to something. But it disappeared based on the draft sequence. Okay. Uh, Brian, let's, let's, let's do this. You, you talked a bit about Paul Yarb. One of the things that's strange... He, he lived on his own from the time that he was third. Because like, obviously in the major junior hockey, billet families are incredibly important and, and act as, you know, surrogate, uh, you know, a form of parenting for the kids, uh, leaving home and all that stuff. And I, I will tell you from my days working at the university, the most mature student athletes we had wasn't even close. They were always the guys out of the Western Hockey League that came to the U of A program at 20. Uh, and that was part of the reason why our culture was successful there. But... I don't understand. Like, yes, a Pugliarvi living on his own uh, from like 13, 14 until he was 17. That's a pretty rare thing, isn't it, for a kid? Yeah, and it's, it's, there's a couple guys who come through the draft who have told facts that told the same story that he was on his own. And you do a little research into it. They had some support, not, you know, they had, they might have lived alone, but they had relatives close by or something. But yes, he had a tough thing uh, that, Radic Faxon from Dallas had the same same type of thing, so um, should have made him stronger, if anything. Yep. But I'm just saying, I'm not I'm not saying I like Pooley Arby's game right now. Right. I saw him twice last year in the minors. First night, I would have said he'll never play. The second night, he was a little better. I'm just saying, people that are throwing rocks at the Oilers for drafting him, we certainly had him right there, and you better be careful. You better be patient. Absolutely. Brian Burke. Brian, what do you think of this stuff over in Europe? I mean, we're sitting here watching Florida play the Winnipeg Jets right now. Um, we're hearing that the league has moved to, to, you know, maybe pushed a little bit more for afternoon games on the weekend. So the games, this I don't know if this is true. Uh, so, you know, the, the viewership can be up in Europe a bit. What You know, because it takes a lot out of an organization to go over there. Well, I've done it a couple times. I went over with Vancouver, and I went over with Anaheim, and I think it's part of growing the market, the uh, the sport, and growing the market worldwide. Uh, we had a tremendous experience both times we went. We went uh, for training camp one year with the Canucks, and then we opened the regular season the year after we won the Cup in Anaheim. So we had a tremendous experience both times. Uh, developed a whole bunch of new hockey fans. We had a George Peros had the first fight overseas in an NHL game the next year when we went over there. Um, so we left our trademark. And, uh, no, we had a great experience. And I do believe the time will come when we have a division in Europe. I believe that, not in my lifetime, but someday there's going to be four teams in Europe and the Edmonton Oilers will fly over and play them all twice and come back. And I do think that's down the road. Probably like the Jetsons, it's a ways off. Now the story I got I got told by one of your former players in Anaheim is you told the players you would always look after them and make sure you always you know truculence is the word that's attributed to you you having players like uh, Peros uh, you, you know I uh, I'm trying to think who did Bugard knock out he was from Wetaskiwin um, yeah uh, Fridge 
the fridge, yeah. Todd Fedoric. Todd Fedoric, and then you brought Peros up right away after that. You always said you would look after that. The game has changed. I, and and Milan Lucic has received a lot of criticism in him, and he hasn't scored enough, so no question about that. But do you know how many games Connor McDavid has missed as an Edmonton Oiler since Milan Lucic has been signed? Probably zero. Zero. I, I, I like I like Milan Lucic, and I know he's not scoring right now. He's a great kid, but he's providing a physical presence, and everyone's afraid of him. And so Nugent Hopkins gets left alone. Connor gets left alone. Um, there's no question those guys provide value, but it's just we'll see. I'm I'm not worried right now about losing all that element. I just wonder some nights I watch, and there's some flag football games now. There's some games you play, <laughs> you watch, and these guys could play the whole game with an egg in each pocket, and not break either one. But then the the, the playoffs saved my yes. the playoffs restored my faith in the game. The playoffs were ugly and nasty and and the way it's supposed to be. And I do think there's still people in charge who know that we have to preserve that and uh, and know how important it is. So it's not all doom and gloom, like Tort said, but he's certainly right. It's certainly a different game than it was, but it's a pretty darn game, good game, too. Absolutely. Uh, no country for old men hockey. That was the Nashville-Winnipeg series. They beat the snot out of each other. It was awesome. Brian, as yeah. always, thank you for your time, okay? And we're going to move you up a half hour next week if you're cool with that. Yes, I'd like to. Thanks, Bob. All right, thanks a lot. That's Brian Burke. He is brought to you each week by Canadian Power Pack. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. This is Oilers Now. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. You know, I know we get a ton of texts on our Heartland Ford text line. Heartland Ford, with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory, they're one of the largest Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. We get a ton of texts from Red Deer. And speaking of Red Deer, uh, we had Lorna Schultz-Nicholson on, uh, the Grit and Glory book, The 40 Years of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it is out, and Lorna will be signing copies of her book in Red Deer this uh, weekend. That's November 4th at the Chapters. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, keep that in mind if you're if you're down there. It's a terrific look, a historical look at the Edmonton Oilers organization. All right, the best pizza in the city still making it great is Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. 
Royal Pizza, where the staffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter group vacation package with New West Travel. Receive free parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Visit NewWestTravel.com for all your vacation dreams. Here's Brendan Escott. Well, you can make a case, Bob, that this is the biggest day in Oilers history because on this day in 1971, the franchise is founded. One of 12 founding franchises in the World Hockey Association. Wild Bill Hunter. What a barnstormer he was. Oilers and Hawks tonight from uh, Rogers Place will be at Studio 99. Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, and myself. With the face-off show, puck drop at 7 p.m. Tomorrow, Brendan Ulrich and Brendan Escott will have the show. I'll be on the bird uh, flying during the show uh, to Detroit, Michigan. Guests tomorrow will include Elliot Friedman for our friends at the River Cree Resort Casino. Up next, the news, weather, traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen I and Andrew Gross. I'll join you again at uh, 5.30 from Studio 99 with Reed Wilkins. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.